0: To Happily Ever After is Real. Interviews and Conversations with Women, created to share wisdom, strength, joy, and inspiration for finding true love in a busy and constantly changing world. I'm Trisha Bennett. On behalf of myself and all of our guests, welcome and enjoy. My guest host today is Nancy Hunt. Thank you, Nancy. And we'll get right to today's guest. Welcome, Mary Lou Pilon, to this episode of Happily
1: Ever After is Real. We are delighted to have you here to share your love story. We'd love to have you tell us a little bit about yourself. So I have been
2: married 27 years. We have three boys, Anthony. He's a a commercial pilot Michael, who is uh, 23, and he lives in Boston, and he works for a company that sells buyware. And Mark, he's 22, and he's at UMass Lowell in his last year of school. Great. Sounds like your kids are on the move out there. They're awesome. They really are. (laughs) I'm so blessed to have such amazing children.
1: Well, it says something about you as a mom, I'm sure,
2: Yeah, they think I'm a little... I'm the helicopter mom. Always was, always will be. I text them every night, every morning. I have to. It's the Italian and me, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) They're tired of it, but
1: (laughs) I'm not. Well, by the age that they are now, they should be used to it. So they should have surrendered by now. (laughs) (laughs) They
2: have, actually, because they know... If they don't text me back within like a decent amount of time, they make fun of me. They're like, "Mom, I don't want you to call the police, so we're just going to text you back." But they'll text back and say, "I'm too busy," you know, and I'll call you in an hour or two. But I know I can't help myself. I don't want to be like that, but I am. I've gotten better, but it's
1: hard. <laughs> mm, so, well, it's progress, not perfection, right? That's I like what that. drive for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. We would one of the things that we love to do on this podcast is to have women share their love stories because almost everyone loves a good love story. Mm-hmm. So, we'd like to start by having you tell us how you met your husband and how you knew he was the one. Okay, so I went to a Catholic high school.
2: I was I started to become really friendly with one of my English teachers, Mrs. Joe, and we still keep in touch. And I wasn't the best student. I was asking her in the foyer one day if she could give me a few extra days on the project. And as we were talking, it was the fall, and the doors opened in the foyer of the school, and literally, like, I felt all this cold wind at my feet. And I turned around, and Anthony walked through the door. I've never seen him before. I don't even know if he's a freshman, a senior. And I looked at her, and I said, who is that? And she said, oh, that's Anthony. And I looked at her and said, I am going to marry Anthony someday. And how old were
1: you?
2: (laughs) I was 15, 15 years old. And I, I wish I could tell you why, or I wish I could say this is definitely like the turning point of why I fell in love with him. The only thing I really could think of is, I was instantly attracted to him because he kind of looked like Michael Jackson, and I was infatuated with Michael Jackson. His, I don't know, he just had such this presence about him. Just literally, it looked like he was gliding in, like Mm. he was being carried by the wind, you know? Almost surreal when I think of it. But my teacher turned back to me and she said, "Um, yeah, your parents would kill you because he's black. But I didn't see that. Like, I just saw wow, like, this guy is just so beautiful. And she said, I will tell you this. She goes, I had him in English last year, and he's really polite, and he's a gentleman. I kind of took that and filed it away. I would think of, I mean, I instantly thought about him all the time, all the time, all the time, and started to, like, find ways to kind of bump into him any chance that I got to talk to him. I went home that night, and my uncle came over, and they, my uncle and my dad owned a, a garage. They were fixing cars, and my... Uncle said, oh, he's like this movie star came in today, and I got her autograph and her picture, and he was showing my mother. He pulled out this folder and took a picture out of this girl, and it was Cheryl Pyland. And I was like, what are the chances? I'm like, that is. that has to be a sister because they look alike. She's beautiful. So – I went to school and a couple days later bumped into him and um, I was like, "Hey, hey! I think I think your sister is her name Cheryl." And he was like, "Yep." And he just kept walking. He really didn't care. I said, "I think she brings her car to my dad's garage." And he was like, "Okay," and just kept walking. And I was like. <laughs> Uh, like aren't you going to ask me to the dance on Friday night or like the prom but he really didn't care so after that I was like all right new angle I got to find out who he hangs around with so I could hang around with the people he hangs around with so I was in my Spanish class and I was talking to this girl in front of me and we were passing notes we you know because there's no phones to text we used to pass paper notes back and forth and I passed her a note and I said so how much much longer to the torture she's like because she had a watch, and she's like, oh, 20 minutes. And I said, what are you doing this weekend? And she said, oh, a bunch of us are going out. And I said, oh, who's going? And she's like, Anthony and, and Sharon and my sister. And I was like, you're friends with Anthony Piland And she was like, yeah. I was like, oh. I was like, now I need to be friends with this girl, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we just started talking and hanging out and then meeting for lunch in the cafeteria. And I was trying to figure out if she liked Anthony or her sister liked Anthony. Like, I thought for sure one of them. You know, liked him, but turns out they were all just friends. I just started hanging around them and hanging around Anthony, and found out quickly that he thought I was quite the pest. wasn't interested in me the way I was interested in him. I don't know. I just we just kind of became friends. I wanted so much more than that, but he definitely didn't.
1: And so, what's the age difference between the two? Two of years,
2: you? just two years. Okay. I was, yeah, I was and a where
1: freshman. You, and he was a junior. Right. Okay. So how did the relationship progress? So we basically
2: stayed friends all through high school. We never saw each other in the summer. And, I mean, really didn't keep in touch because we didn't have cell phones. So, you know, I would call his house and talk to his mother more than I would talk to him because he was never home conveniently. But um, (laughs) (laughs) he graduated, and I signed up to sing for graduation just so I could be there. That night he told me he was leaving for the Air Force I gave him my address, and I said, you have to keep in touch with me. And he's like, I will. We'll always be friends. I started sending him packages, like, you know, 10-pound chocolate love pills that he wasn't supposed to get any food, but I I didn't know, (laughs) so I would send him all this stuff. So he got in trouble. They called him up to, I guess they had this little stage or whatever, and they said, pick out one of your best friends before you open this package. So he picked out, like, the biggest guy in the group, and he opened it, and they made him eat all that chocolate. Him and the other guy, yeah. But Anthony's not a big chocolate eater, so. Anyway, when he would come home from the Air Force, he would always call me. And we used to have so much fun when we would go out, but we always had to go to different towns. So if he wanted to go to movies, we'd have to go three towns over, out to dinner, or like, you know, parks that were far away, because my uncle and my father were pretty popular in our town, you know, especially the Italian community. They fixed everybody's cars, so if somebody saw me, Like, in my life, it would be be over. They would kill me. So we never kissed. We never held hands every time he came home. We would just, you know, go out to dinner, and then he'd go back to Germany or wherever he was stationed, and I'd write him, you know, letters professing my undying love, and he'd send me one sporadic (laughs) postcard and always sign it, like, love your friend. But I kept at it, and then... (laughs) And, you are um, persistent. I know. Wow. <laughs> you think I would have taken the hint, but I, I guess I really was a pest. But Well, he came home one uh, fall, and he said, do you want to go out? And I was like, yeah, what do you want to do? He's like, why don't we go to Riverside Park? It was in uh, Connecticut. And he was driving my car, and we were on the highway, and he swerved. And I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, there's something in the middle of the road. So I turned around to look, and there was a girl laying on a bike, in the middle of the road that had gotten hit by a car, like a 10-speed bike on the highway. So he pulled over he was a medic in the air force so he pulled over and he's like flagged down an 18-wheeler and have them call on the radio like she needs an ambulance and i was like oh my god so i'm like stopping cars on the highway it's starting to rain and he's tending to the girl and i stopped the truck driver calls the ambulance and like we stayed with her for like half an hour the ambulance finally got there and when we went back to my car he opened the car door and leaned over and kissed me in the, in the pouring rain and i was like oh my like finally and it was Everything, like, I knew what it felt to be hit by lightning. It was unbelievable. So then we started, you know, writing letters back and forth, and now things are getting serious, and he's calling from Germany, and, you know, we were kind of like, not really boyfriend-girlfriend, but now he finally had an interest in me. This went on for three or four months, and he was sending me packages, and all the while, you know, because I lived with my parents, my grandmother lived with us. We share a namesake. We're both called Mary Lou, and she would hide all the letters and packages. Like I taught her, because she only spoke Italian, I taught her how to look for like the Germany postmark or anything that had the name Anthony on it, and she would take it and hide it from me so that when I would get home, you know, my mother and father didn't get the mail, so if they end up getting it, I wouldn't get in trouble. But he would send me, you know, jogging suits and jewelry and all this stuff. So we started like talking to each other, you know, probably twice a week, because back then long distance was really expensive, and he'd call me because they were eight hours behind, you know, or ahead in the middle of the night. And so we started progressively, like, making plans to go out the next time he came home. So New Year's Eve, we had a huge party in my mom's basement. There was, like, 60 people there, and my cousin came up to me and said, hey, there's, he goes, I was upstairs. He goes, and your phone was ringing and there's an Anthony on the phone or something. I was like, oh my God. I'm like, I bet you he's home and he's going to surprise me. And how am I going to like leave this party and try to get over to his house? Or how can I invite him to our house? Or like all these thoughts were like rushing through my head. And I got to the phone. I was like, Anthony. And he was like, I have something to tell you. And I was like, you're home. And he's like, no. He's like, I'm still in Germany. I'm like, you're coming home. He's like, No, he's like, I'm not coming home. He goes, but I really, I need your attention. I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, what is it? And he said, I think I found the girl I'm going to marry. I was like, what? He's like, I met this girl, and I think she's the one. And I said to him, Anthony Pyland, don't ever call me again. Don't look me up when you come home. I don't want to see you. You're dead to me. That's the Italian in me you're dead to me. <laughs> so <laughs> I <laughs> hung up the phone and went downstairs. And I hate New Year's Eve. I've always hated New Year's Eve ever since I was small. But this, this was like, it. I hated New Year's Eve. And I was crying. And my parents were like, what's wrong with you? And I'm, I couldn't tell them because yeah. they didn't know, you know, I was like, I'm done. It's finally time to just get over Anthony Pilon and move on you know, back to life, back to work, back to, you know, doing whatever, started going to the gym and just taking care of myself and just focusing on myself. That was December 31st, and in May, I got a phone call at the hospital. I was working as a switchboard operator, and uh, somebody called and said, hey, um, I'm looking for this girl that works at your hospital, I don't know if she still works there. I don't, you know, if you can help me find her. And I said, sure. I'm like, where does she work? And he said, radiology. I'm like, oh, I used to work in radiology. I'm like, what's her name? And he was like, Mary Lou. And I was like, Anthony? And he was like, yeah. He was like, "Um, I'm home. I'm like, I don't care where you are. Click. Hung up on him. So (laughs) he showed up at the hospital. Now, How
1: old are you now?
2: 21. Like, okay. Yeah. This went on.
1: Working at the hospital, okay. 21,
2: yep, working at the hospital. He showed up at the hospital, and he came with flowers because he felt so bad. I didn't care. I left the flowers at work. I was like, I don't care. And he was like, wow, you look great. Where are you going? I said, I'm going to the gym. And he's like, which gym? And I told him. He's like, can you walk me outside? And I was like, sure. So I walk him outside, and he's like, oh, my God, we have to get together. You have to call me. We have to go out. I was like, okay. I was like, I- I'll call you tonight. But I knew I wasn't going to call him because I wanted him to feel the pain that I felt because that pain for me was still real. It still is because I could cry as I'm telling you this. But Yeah, and that was 20, what, 30 years ago? You know, the next day he came back to the hospital, and he was like, you didn't call me last night? And I was like, I know I was busy, but you know what? I'm going to call you tonight, like around 6 o'clock. And he's like, oh, perfect. He's like, I'll be home. I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. Didn't call him. And the next day he came back and he's like, hey, I joined the gym. I'm like, what gym? He's like, the same gym you're going to. He's like, we can go together. I was like, I don't want to go to the gym with you. And he was like, oh, come on. He's like, and you know what? He sucked me right back in. It was only a matter of time, you know. So we started going to the gym together. One day I called him and I said, listen, I'm going to meet you at the gym because he was coming to the – this is how now the tables were turned. He would pick me up at work after – the hospital. And we would drive to the gym together. And then he would drive to the hospital and drop me off just so we could spend more time together. One night, I called him one day and said, hey, I left my clothes at home. I said, but my dad is going to bring them to the garage. So I'm going to pick up my clothes and I'll meet you at the gym. And he's like, no, he's like, I want to meet your dad. I was like, no, you don't. He's like, no, no, I want to meet your dad. I'm like, (laughs) No, you don't. I'm like, because we will both be dead. And he's like, oh, come on. He's like, it's the 90s. People don't think like that anymore. And I remember saying to him, you will be stuck with me for the rest of your life. And he was like, if that's the worst that could happen, he's like, I don't care. And I was like, oh, God, he's gone off the deep end. Like, this is a guy who just wanted to be friends forever. And now, like, I want to be friends. And now he wants to be more than friends. But it's always like that, right? That push and pull, right? So... Mm. We drive to the car wash, he convinced me, we drive to the car wash and get out of the car and he walks up to my dad and he shakes his hand. My dad was so confused and I said, yo, this is Anthony, you know, my friend, we're going to go to the gym, blah, 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 do you have my clothes? And they were talking and, you know, they were talking about cars and all this other stuff and I was like, wow, like that is amazing. I totally misread you know, the first time that they were ever going to meet, which I never thought would even happen. I was like, that was pretty awesome. So we went to the gym and I was so happy and we worked out. And then after I drove home and I got home and I was like, gun ho like, this is amazing. He's going to be coming to Sunday dinners. They're going to love him. And I walked in my house and not one person would talk to me. My brother, my mom and dad were all sitting in the living room watching TV. And I was like, hey guys, Nothing. So I went upstairs and I called Anthony and I'm like, uh, something's wrong. And he's like, what's going on? I'm like, nobody's talking to me. The next morning I woke up and I went downstairs and my dad was waiting for me at the kitchen table. And he's like, sit down because we need to talk. And I remember thinking, like, where's the nearest exit because it's going to get ugly. And uh, he's like, is that your boyfriend? And before I could even answer yes, no, because honestly, I didn't even know if he was or wasn't my boyfriend. It wasn't like I was wanted to lie. There really was no definitive answer. You know, we were friends. Would I like for him to be my boyfriend? Absolutely, but we were officially boyfriend-girlfriend. So I said nothing, trying to decide what to say, and he said, you have to choose. It's him or us. So I said, I choose him. I choose love, and I will be out of your house by the end of tomorrow. So I went to work, had, you know, got as many boxes together as I could. I was kind of afraid to go home because I didn't know what I was going to find. But I went home and brought all my boxes up to my bedroom and started packing everything up. And my sister walked in and grabbed this huge tray of perfume that I had, you know, glass perfume bottles on. And she's holding it and she's like, are you really going to do this? Are you really going to do this? Are you really going to do this to this family? And I was like, what am I doing? And she's like, you are leaving this family. She's like, you're selfish. She goes, and you're going to leave it for a, a guy you don't even know? Like, I know him, and I love him, and I am leaving this family. And it's not my choice. I'm being pushed out. So she took my perfume bottles, and she threw them up against the wall and smashed every single one of them. I know. It was awful. As I was on the floor picking up all these broken perfume bottles and pieces of glass, I hear my aunt and my grandmother come in. I look up to my aunt, and I held up my hand so she could, like, pull me off the floor and help me. And she literally leaned over and smacked me so hard across my face. Like, she literally was, like, punching me, you know. And she's like, you're selfish, and you're stupid, and this is dumb, and, you know, you can't do this to my sister, and what are people going to say? And so my grandmother starts pulling her daughter, my aunt, off of me. And she's like pushing her out of the room, and my grandmother turned around and she said to me in Italian, "Ascolta al tuo cuore," listen to your heart. And I was like, "Listen to your heart, like yeah, I, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do."
1: I mean, and this is the same grandma who intercepted packages, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Same yeah.
2: grandmother, my mother's mother. I moved out and I moved in with uh, my girlfriend, whose husband was a police officer. The night I was there, she was like, Do you want something to drink? And I was like, No, I'm good. She's like, No, you really should have something to drink. I'm like, I'm really not thirsty. She's like, I'm going to go get some ginger ale. I was like, Okay, go go get the ginger ale. So she went and she comes up and she, you know, puts the ice in the glass and she pours the ginger ale in and she hands me the glass and I go to pick it up. She's like, No, 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 no. She's like, Don't drink that. I was like, What is going on? Like, I didn't want it. You're forcing me to drink it and now you're taking it and then she dumps it down the drain. And I'm like, What are you doing? She goes, Your mother gave me. The Lady of Fatima, holy water, like it was this bottle in the shape of a Virgin Mary filled with holy water from Fatima, and she wanted me to pour it in your ginger ale. She goes, because she really thinks you're, like, possessed, and this is going to cure you. She goes, but it'll probably give you nothing but a stomach ache, she's like. So she goes, I feel bad. I can't do it, you know. so Exactly. You know, everyone's hands are in it. Yep.
1: Yep. Oh, my gosh.
2: Literally Every one of my parents' friends and my friends were coming to the house like, this is a fad, you know, it's going to pass, this is not going to last. You're, you come from two totally different worlds. They didn't even know where he came from, but, you know, you come from two totally different worlds, and, it's you know, you're Catholic, and he's Christian, and yeah, it's throwing, like, everything out of there, you know, that, that they possibly thought that it would change my mind, but they didn't change my mind. And I finally uh, said to Anthony, you know, I can't live with them. They have two little kids, and they don't really need all this It was like Grand Central Station, and it wasn't fair to them. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to find my own apartment and just move out. And he said, nope. He said, I don't want you living alone. He goes, because you come from such a huge Italian family. You've never been alone. You're not used to being alone. You know, I don't think it's going to be good for you. He's like, I don't want us to live together. He's like, so I think we should get married. So all my dreams are coming true, and all my nightmares are coming true. It's like Mm -hmm. I had everything I wanted, and I had nothing. So... We went to Vermont. We eloped, and we got married, and about three or four days later, my father called, and uh, he said, you know, we really miss you around here, and never said he made a mistake, but just was like, we really miss you around here, and, you know, we want you to come home, and I said, I would love to come home. I really would love to come home, but now I'm married, but I said, how is it going to work? Did did he
1: know you had been married?
2: No. Okay. He didn't. So I said to him, all right, I want to come home, but how is it going to work? Is he going to be able to, you know, come in and have dinners with us and make wine with us and stuff, sausage with, like, how is it going to work? And he said, he can pick you up at the end of our drive. So I was like, yeah, no, that's not going to work for me. So he said to me, why don't we meet for breakfast tomorrow morning and we'll talk about it? And I said, all right. And he said, "Um, but before we meet, he said, please don't do anything stupid. (laughs) <laughs> and i
1: said
2: <laughs> too late i said i know right i shouldn't have told him i shouldn't have been so honest and nothing I said, stupid left to do <laughs> <laughs> i know <laughs> oh man so i said well dad we got married and the next thing i heard was the dial tone and so back to square one and i just was like you know what whatever will be will be i miss my family i miss my little sister because she was only eight years old at the time yeah, that was probably the hardest part about leaving my house because I missed her so much. And she really didn't know what was going on. Like, as I'm packing up myself, she's like, can I have your room? I was like, this girl, she's so cute. She doesn't even understand what's going on. About Do you have two sisters? Is she the same yes. one that in the nope. perfume? No, nope. okay, okay. I have an I older sister Nancy, sister, Nancy, and then me. And then I have oh. a brother, the, the king of the family. His name is Anthony, too. Then my little sister, <laughs> Tedessa. And she is 16 years younger than me. So, yeah, Nancy was the one that threw the perfume. But Nancy was also the one, her and my brother went to my parents and pleaded with them to just give Anthony a chance, just meet him. And if you could meet him and not like him, they were willing to accept that. But they had to at least try to get to know him to not like him.
1: Yep. So um, I love we, that his name is Anthony, too. That's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it's my brother, my father, my son, and my husband are all Anthony. little crazy. And we have Michael Anthony and Mark Anthony. When I was moving out of my house, my Uncle Dominic, who's always been like my second dad, told me if his name was like defamed, he would shoot me and Anthony. And then he told okay. me never to have kids. Yep. He's like, and whatever you do, don't have kids. So, but... Anthony had faith more than I did because I really never thought I'd ever see anybody in my family again. My sister Nancy and my brother Anthony went and spoke to my parents and finally wore them down and they called and Nancy said, do you want to come for Sunday dinner? And I was like, heck no, I don't want to come for Sunday dinner. Like, no way. Like, I'm not going to bring Anthony there so they could like kill him, you know. And, and, And it's funny because my parents and my family were never violent. Like, that was just something in my mind that was in my mind. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to explain it. People, you know, ask me why did you think your father would kill you. I don't really know. They weren't violent people. We went to church every Sunday. Like we had a great family. We had a great foundation. We had a great relationships. We did everything together. Vacations. My parents never once left us to go on vacation by themselves. Never. They always we were, oh, were such a unit, you know. And we did. We lived next door to my aunt and uncle. We did things with them all the time. So we were, like, this ultra-close Italian family. No one ever said, like, these are the lines you shouldn't cross. So I really don't know why I really felt so threatened because I never mm. was threatened. It's just, it's like a weird, I think about that, you know, people ask, like, why do you think that? I really don't know. I think yeah. maybe it was Well, my maybe, own. I mean, your
1: your uncle was pretty threatening.
2: Well, he was threatening that, that day that I moved out. He definitely was threatening. But even leading up to that, he never, ever, you know, hit us or was mean or even did anything that would even make me think that he would be like that but well we went to sunday dinner and it was amazing it was amazing my dad and my husband hit it off and they literally have been best friends ever since they fight Uh like father and son they love each other (laughs) they're amazing you know they do things together all the time all the time you know they'll look at cars together they'll go look you know at condos together they came to the vineyard when we lived in Connecticut they came to the vineyard and looked at a house together they're just he calls my dad pa it it's amazing the relationship that they have you know but it's
1: his other it's his other
2: son anthony his other it is his other son anthony that's what he says that's what he says yeah. this is my sicilian son that's what he says cause, and my dad is darker <laughs> than my husband which is pretty funny because my dad is from the south of Italy, so he's pretty dark, but it's just crazy how life turns out, you know. Actually, my dad fell. He was plowing one winter, and he fell and hit his head, his plow truck, and he got, like, this huge cut in his forehead, and my brother brought him to the emergency room, and Anthony stitched him right up. Their relationship is crazy. They're so close. They're so close. They were here a couple weeks ago, and him and my dad were fighting. I'm like, this is just great. You're fighting like your your you know father and son. Like, you know he's like, right. oh Anthony, he's like stop eating those cookies. You know Cause Anthony's not heavy at all. He's in shape, but the, he teases him. You know, and Anthony eating you know? those. So it's just it's cute. The relationship they have is cute. It was my grandmother, I guess, who was so pivotal, kind of that kind of making that outcome happen. Because if I didn't have her, I don't think I would have been as strong. You know, like. She was the one person who really had my back when I had not nobody. I had not one person who was on my side, and that's pretty lonely, you know. Yeah. But when she would say, like, you could do this, you know, listen to your heart. Everything in life is a trade-off. She always said that, and she always said to me, think of something in your life that isn't a trade-off because there's nothing. There's nothing. Yep. And I've been thinking about that for 48 years, and there's still there's nothing,
1: you know. Yeah everything in life is a trade-off but Yep. Um, everything you choose you're not choosing something else right oh i love that too it's so yeah. true that i mean it's, the, so it's the same idea it's the yeah. same thing about everything is a trade-off like you choose yep. this you're not choosing that yeah
2: right like if you choose to eat those cookies you're not going to be skinny you know, but if you choose to go to the gym, like, you know, so, I mean, I'm Italian, so everything for us centers around food, but my grandmother loved him, loved him, loved him. Like, oh, they had an amazing relationship, too. And, and he didn't speak Italian, and she didn't speak English. And still, like, still, he loved her like his own grandmother, probably even more than his own grandmother.
1: Well, because she trusted you, and she trusted your relationship. Mm-hmm. And he, he knew that. He knew that she had been the one that had been there for you guys since you were 15. Yep, true. That she had always had your back and in that way had always had his. His back, yep. Oh, true. Yep. That's so sweet. Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of this was just intuitive for you, but one of the questions is what did you have to know and trust about yourself before you could choose your husband and commit to him? And I, it sounds like you trusted your grandmother, but you also had to really trust yourself. Do you have any sense of, like, what you trusted in yourself?
2: I trusted the foundation that my family laid. I really did. I trusted that they raised me right, like, raised me to make right choices, raised me to mm-hmm. see people for who they are. Even though it sounds kind of like opposite of what their actions were, that's really what
1: they instilled in us. And I know yeah. it probably doesn't make sense, but it's true. No, it totally you know? does, because yeah. your choices are going to be different than your siblings' choices. Mm-hmm. But the choice that's right, they taught you to choose what was right for you. Mm-hmm. It might not be right for anybody else, and it might not feel good to them, but right. it was right for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So one of the questions said, did you have women in your life before you got married and how or were other women instrumental to your success and you definitely said your grandmother was
2: she probably was the most prominent woman in my life only because my mom and my older sister were always best friends so I was always the, the third man out you know they really were and they still are to this day but I think because I Two things. My mom and my sister were always best friends, but my older sister Nancy was always in a book. So I was always alone. So I would, uh, now I'm a talker, in case you didn't realize. And so when I would come home from school, I would directly go to my grandmother. So we ended up spending so much time together, but I guess that's a gift that my mom and my sister were that close because I don't think I would have that relationship with my grandmother if I was that close to my sister.
1: Yeah. So... Totally. And what you got from your grandmother was absolutely priceless, so it Mm -hmm. it worked out the way it was supposed to. Totally agree.
2: I never thought of it like that, but it makes total sense, you know? I mean, we spent hours after school together she would just sit there and braid my hair one way braid it the other way you know she would sew I mean, she'd make our book bags i'd go up in the morning before school just to say hi she'd braid my hair and off i would go and come home uh. from school and back up to her house because we lived in a three-family house and she lived on the third floor you know she would just spend so much time with us yeah. well, me especially but because i didn't like to read that wasn't me. You know, I like being outside, and she, she loved to sweep. So we'd go outside, and we'd sweep together. And then, you know, we had a huge garden, and we would shell. We'd dry out beans and shell beans together. And, you know, we really did so much together. We'd walk to the store together, you know. She taught yeah. me how to cross it, you know, sit and just talk about life. We, she had this huge bucket of, like, buttons. She used to work in a factory. And we would sit there and string necklaces and bracelets together and just unstring them like, just to yeah. string them and never
1: wear them, but, you know, but I did, I, I did spend the most time with her. Yeah. hmm That's so great. And in that way, she also got to know you and trust you and mm-hmm. knew that you would make a good decision for yourself.
2: Yeah. And that's what I said to my father the night he met Anthony, when he said, oh, yeah, he's a nice guy. I was like, I just went through all this for you to, like, accept him and, Tell me he's a nice guy. (laughs)
1: Like, wow. Apparently. Yeah.
2: We could have avoided this because Mary Lou had her whole wedding planned out. She had the dress picked out. Like, honestly, like people in in grammar school and high school, they're like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, I want to be a doctor, a nurse, a lawyer. I want to be a housewife and I want to have kids. That was my goal in life. I just yeah. wanted to have a family and to have kids and, you know, go to the park and have dinners together. And, like, really, that was my goal. And I was lucky enough, you know, to be able to do that. But, like I said to my dad, didn't you think that you raised me right? We could have avoided this whole entire mess. You know, I could have had the wedding I wanted, the honeymoon I wanted, the fairy tale I mm. wanted, but mm. I didn't. You know, and, and that was my trade off. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Clearly, your grandmother played a huge role, and God bless her. I'm just wondering, do you today have women that are in your life to help you around relationships, you know what I mean, that Mm kindred spirit type thing? Is that still present in your life with your grandmother no no longer here? Yeah, she's no
2: longer here. Actually, now my mom and me and my mom have that relationship now. Because when we lived in Connecticut, you know, 10 years ago when we moved to Martha's Vineyard, she comes up now. Her and my dad come up and they stay with us, you know, for four or five, six days at a time. Our bond is amazing. It's so much stronger than it used to be because there's no competition. When my mom comes up, we have the best quality time and even when we lived in Connecticut you know we'd see them every Sunday and that was it but when they come here we have breakfast together we'll go shopping together we'll come home we'll make pasta together it's a totally it's totally totally different than it was when I was in my 20s and even my 30s so I would have to say my mom now is my confidant because yeah she she is I tell her things I wouldn't tell my friends and my my sister my
1: little sister is my best friend Best right. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. So in terms of women who are listening to this, who may still be single and looking for love, mm-hmm. two questions. What do you want single women to have that they don't have now? And what is your best advice for keeping a woman's dreams alive about finding love? Hmm. If I could put an answer to these
2: questions, I... It's so hard because situations are so different and everyone is so Mm. different. I don't know. Love and marriage is hard work. It really is. And if anything I could say, the most important thing in my marriage is respect. Mm. You know, that is the most important thing to me. And that was like ingrained in us by my parents. Just little things and just being respectful of each other and each other's feelings, I think, is the biggest thing in our marriage. If I could tell women nowadays how to find true love and keep true it's a sacrifice. It has to be a give and take, you know. It can't be all give or all take. Unfortunately, usually in the relationships, there's a giver and there's a taker. But I would say don't let go of who you are to try to make somebody else happy because that person has to find their own happiness. I work with a lot of younger women and they're always trying to please their boyfriend and I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it. You know, yeah, you got to do that every once in a while, but you can't do it all the time. You can't lose yourself in the process and you can't try to fill his cup when there's a hole in the bottom of it and you're never going to fill it. And Mm -hmm. it's just frustrating. I'd say be true to your own self and not even put yourself first because in a marriage, you really can't put yourself first, but don't put yourself last either because that doesn't work either. It, you have to be, like, even, you know. Mm-hmm. If, if you're, it, it worked for us because my husband is a hard worker, and my dad says this all the time. Oh, Daddy Anthony, he's just like me. He was such a hard worker. He's such a family man, and he's right. But on the flip side of that, I was home cooking, cleaning, and taking care of kids so that when he got home, he had a meal on the table, and we all ate together as a family. And to me, that was the most important thing that my parents instilled in us, that we had to have dinner together as a family every single night. Whether it was at mm. 6 o'clock or 7.30, you, we were waiting for your father, and we're going to sit at that table, and we're going to talk about the day. There's no TV. There's nothing. And it's just... Yeah family time and it anchors you and it, it gives those roots and I really feel like that's what a lot of families are missing today they're missing that quality time they're so distracted with off to soccer off to gymnastics off to basketball then the cell phones come out and the video games and I honestly am so glad I raised my kids when I did because it was just coming of the video games and the cell phones were kind of when they were like 14 and 15 so i didn't have that competition i feel bad for parents nowadays who have to compete with that because you can't
1: you Mm -hmm. can't compete
2: with that but if anything you really should as a family be a unit because once you grow those roots they're planted and that foundation is so strong right yeah family it's the most important thing yep and a strong woman, because I am a strong woman, strong and stubborn. You have yeah. to be, you have to be that woman. Like, I don't know. It's
1: just, you're dead to me. <laughs> yup. <laughs> That's so yep. funny. No, actually, goodbye. You're dead to me. Yep. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: don't ever call me again. Well, maybe right. you can. No. <laughs> right. That is such a great story. And now that we've heard your story, tell us about what you've been doing recently. I wrote a book. It's called For the Love of Spamoni.
2: And I named it that because, again, Italian, everything revolves around food. He, if you know Spumoni, it's chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry ice cream. And he's the chocolate, I'm the vanilla, and the strawberry represents love. And it's just uh-uh. been, a, it's, yeah, it's been a crazy ride, I have to say. My moth story, because I did the moth story on NPR, went viral, and I have 12 million views. I got a call from a senior vice president at 20th Century Fox. They um, would love to see this made into a movie, and so would I. So right now I'm working on the manuscript with the girl that I worked on um, the book with, Jenna Bernstein. So we're working on that together. That a is lot going on. <laughs> totally amazing. It's had a life of its own. It really has. It just, you know, like you, people just calling and saying, hey, you know, I want to know about your story. And the best part is it's true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know,
2: it's true and it worked 27 years
1: So much fun. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't wait to see where it evolves from here. Now, do you have a website? I do. It's
2: www.theheartknowsnocolor.com.
1: Okay, great. So if people want to find out where to get your book, is it also on Amazon? Yep, it's available on Amazon. Anything else you want to share about? The book is
2: not only my story, it's my grandmother's story, and She fell in love with a a kid who lived in her town, and her parents forbid them to be married, and she didn't follow her heart, and I think that's why Uh, she was
1: so adamant about you doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I almost feel
2: like she kind of almost lived her love lost through me. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So without giving her story away, her and this boy would meet under this walnut tree, and they would collect walnuts and plan their life together and think of their kids' names together and
1: Aww. you know.
2: And when I would go upstairs to my grandmother's house and she'd make me tea, she would read from this journal, but I didn't know it was her story. Wow. I, yeah, I thought it was her grandmother's story. Her, my great grandmother's story. I thought it was her mother's story. Um, so, would in mean, the end, is the movie going to be like? Three generations. Uh, I don't know. Said when they called, they said your story is. Guess is Coming to Dinner, Meet My
1: Big Fat Greek Wedding on Steroids. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with your sense of humor, I'm sure the book is amazing. I can't wait to read it.
0: Aw, thank you. Well, I don't know about all of you, but I can't get enough of Mary Lou. I can't wait to go out and buy her book, For the Love of Spumoni, and I'm sure... Others who are listening will be doing the same. Well, that's it for this episode. Wherever you are at this moment, we hope that you can feel your own unique happily ever after taking shape. Until next time, I'm Trisha Bennett. From all of us at Happily Ever After is Real, thank you for listening and we wish you love.